0: Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Lovely
1: Rita, meet a maid. Nothing can come between us. When it gets dark, I tow your
0: heart away. Breaking news. Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine.
1: And tonight there are air raid sirens going on all over Ukraine as the Kremlin spokesperson says that he cannot rule out the use of nuclear weapons if Russia is faced with an existential threat. What does that mean? That is coming from Putin's main spokesperson saying that if there is some existential threat, They cannot rule out the ultimate weapon, nuclear weapons. What is your thought? And do you think that President Biden can manage this crisis? That is the big question that we're going to talk about tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, because, yes, things are getting incredibly serious. And also, this comes as a new report says that 2,400 kids have been taken by the Russians out of the country. So what's happening to those kids? Where are they taking them? Are they taking the Ukrainians to concentration camps, to so-called, quote, work camps, like we've heard about in World War II? Are they taking them for human trafficking? Are they taking them for slave labor? Are they taking them for hostages? What is the objective, particularly 2,400 Children that they know of so far apparently have been taken out, according to Ukrainian media, out of the country to an undisclosed location in Russia. What is that for? And boy, things are getting really. Really horrible, as we are hearing, of continued offenses and continued pounding. And the town of Mariupol, that is the town where that theater was leveled, where the hospital was leveled, uh, where the art school was leveled. They are now getting, according to reports, 100 bombings a day. Not a year, not every decade, not a week. 100 bombs are being dropped on the town of Mariupol in a single day, every day now, because the Russians are trying to get them to submit. So I can just say bravo to the Ukrainians, because this has been an unbelievable fight that they have put on. They are fighting with every ounce of whatever they have. And you're seeing these stories of more citizens picking up arms there. You're seeing stories of them now doing the counter-offensives. And that is the other big development as you're tuning into the show today. A big breakthrough because one of the towns that is a suburb of Kiev, it's about 60 miles west of Kiev, it is called Mara Um, actually, according to Ukrainian forces, has been liberated, taken back by the Ukrainian forces. It was taken over by the Russians a few days ago. And getting heavy pounding and a lot of assaults on it because, again, it's not too far from the capital. It's still a good distance, but it's on the way to the capital. So it was a key area. And now word that the Ukrainians are having successful counter offenses. So what does that mean? Does this mean that maybe the Ukrainians can turn this around if they get enough military might? They clearly have so many people in the world's support, other than Russia and their friends, China. But other than that, can they turn this around with U.S. might, with NATO might, with the support of America, with the humanitarian, if you know, things that they're bringing into the country and helping the millions of refugees? But an amazing development again, that indeed they say this town of Marikiv has been liberated by the Ukrainians. So what does this mean? Can they turn this around? Well, just a little bit ago, we heard from President Zelensky of Ukraine, and he says that they are trying to submit and to demoralize and to, needless to say, slaughter the Ukrainian people. They are bombing them into kingdom come. I mean, their country is looking like rubble. It is unbelievable to see more scenes that we saw in the last few hours of Mariupol and some of these other towns along the border. And, in fact, Mariupol, now they're actually getting targeted not just from planes, but they're also getting targeted from ships. So they're using long-range missiles. And we know that President Biden is on his way soon to NATO, to Brussels. He's going to be meeting with all the world leaders. And one of the things that they're going to talk about is giving them some more air defenses so they can somehow shoot down some of these missiles that are coming now long range. Because not only are Russian troops trying to come in on the ground in some of these key areas, for the most part, most of the bombing is now happening in the last few days from these planes Russian planes, so give them the MiGs, for goodness sake, and also from now ships at sea that are targeting Mariupol and, of course, the big port city of Odessa. So isn't it time to give them the military hardware because they are having some triumphs? So where does this war go from here? And do you think also that President Biden has the capability and NATO to bring everybody to the peace table because, boy, wouldn't that be the best thing of all if there is peace in that country and less suffering for the people of Ukraine? Um, Wouldn't that be amazing if there's something that they can do to negotiate it? I'm not that confident, and I'm sad to say that. Boy, would I love to be able to say, gosh, they can do this. They can bring everybody together. But the way that I have seen our president, and we're going to talk about that too as well on the show, he's just not galvanizing. He's not leading from the front. He's not acting like the leader of the free world. He's kind of like wagging his tail and kind of like following well behind NATO. And even his language is not forceful. It's not bringing these people. It's not pushing Putin to the peace table. It's not demanding that he stop. And especially now that we are hearing, even from his key spokesperson, that you cannot rule out nukes. This is an unbelievable development that they are just kind of putting it out there. Yeah, we may do nukes. We may do chemical weapons. Boy, are things getting really dangerous. Do you think they actually will go to that step? Or do you think it's just a bunch of bluster, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. one 848 9222 Here's a little bit of President Zelensky of Ukraine. He was talking to the Italian parliament. Remember, he talked to Congress. He also talked to Canada. He talked to, of course, uh, a number of other different countries, U.K., And today he spoke to the Italian parliament. He also spoke to the Pope, by the way. Um, So that will be interesting to see what the Pope, if anything, that he can do to maybe put the sides together. But he also, Zelensky said, this is a really difficult, difficult war. And this may drag on for a long time unless NATO and the U.S. steps up. Take a listen.
2: We are now on the brink of survival. Ukraine for Russian troops is the gateway into Europe. Where they want to break in, but this barbarism must be stopped. You know who brought this war to Ukraine. Those who are supporting this war, all of them are using Italy as a place for holidays. So please don't be a holiday resort to murderers.
1: Wow. So do not be a holiday resort to murderers because Russians go and hang out. They like, you know, a lot, they like Sardinia. They like Positano. They like a lot of those places in Italy. And he's saying, do not offer them safe haven anywhere in the world. We have to box them in. These are monsters. And National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan of, of course, the Biden administration said, there's no way to put it. This is going to be a pounding for Ukraine until hopefully some peace deal comes. But they're not even saying peace deal. They're just saying this is a tough time for Ukraine. Take a listen.
3: There will be hard days ahead in Ukraine, hardest for the Ukrainian troops on the front lines and the civilians under Russian bombardment. This war will not end easily or rapidly. For the past few months, the West has been united. The President is traveling to Europe to ensure we stay united, to cement our collective resolve, to send a powerful message that we are prepared and committed to this for as long as it takes. And to advance our response on all three critical fronts that I've described, helping the Ukrainian people defend themselves, imposing and increasing costs on Russia and reinforcing the Western alliance.
1: So there he said it will not end easily or rapidly. Do you think now the Russian this is basically the longtime key spokesperson, Dmitry Peskov of Vladimir Putin saying, yeah, we can't rule out nukes. We can't rule out chemical weapons. Uh, just matter of factly, like basically, yeah, get ready. Do you think it's bluster or do you think that this is a genuine, genuine concern that could be on the near horizon based on the fact that they continue pounding these Ukrainian cities and the Ukrainian people are saying we're not going anywhere? Do you think it's all bluster and do you think that Biden and NATO can handle what is going to be one of the most historic moments in the world, trying to bring these people together to bring peace, to stop Putin. Do you think anything that this president and his team can do can lead NATO to finally put an end to Vladimir Putin's reign of terror? one 800 one 800 Eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Frank in Bangor, Maine. You're listening to the Rita Cosby Show. Frank, go ahead. Your thoughts, my friend.
4: Rita, uh, greetings from the great state of Maine. Um, I I love your show. I love your intellect. I wish I had your intellect.
1: Oh, you're sweet. By the way, by the way, I'll give you my intellect if I can take Bangor, Maine, because that's a beautiful place, my friend. <laughs>
4: Oh absolutely you know what it's your adopted place from this point forward I I love it up here I'm glad I moved up here and I'm I'm glad that uh I'm glad that you love the state you know but you know Rita I have I have this thing in my head and I've been hearing oh once Putin's gone uh the problem will be solved once he once somebody gets rid of him there's going to be there's going to be rainbows and butterflies and kumbaya I don't believe that. I believe once he's gone, there's going to be a void in that area. And remember, and, and you're a historian like like we all are. Um, remember, when I when we went into Iraq, the first Gulf War and the second Gulf War, well, the second time we went to Iraq, what did it lead to? It led to al-Qaeda. It led to ISIS. It led to terrorist groups. Um, and, and it goes back into history, reader. Th- these short-term solutions do not – do not solve long term problems. I mean, I don't know what to do. I don't get paid enough to, to figure this stuff out. And and you're right about Biden. Biden's a he's he's lost. He doesn't know what's going on, neither does Harris.
1: And by but, the way, that's it, scary yeah. to me, Frank, you know, don't you think? Because this is a talk about a high stakes game um that Putin's playing and it's much more obviously than a game. This is deadly serious game. But when you see what he is doing, it is frightening. And, you know, you – by the way, you bring up a a great point. I think about in Iraq, um, yes, when we went in and all the changes and it created that that vacuum – that vacuum, actually, you're right, led to the rise of ISIS. Um, and guess what? All the revolutionary guards and all those guys were really mad when we came in, and we we basically kicked them out. That was a big mistake in history. We should have kept them or put them on the American payroll so they were beholden, as opposed to just kicking them out. We took over, and then suddenly they were trying to figure out where to go, and they turned. Um, but, but you're right. We can't make those kind of mistakes. On the other hand, if you look— At the history here in Russia, and you've even seen in the last few weeks, there have been people coming out and speaking out against Putin. A lot of the people in Russia, I mean, they support Putin because guess what? If you don't, you don't stick around very long. But a lot of the people are anti-war. I actually saw a poll recently that like 80 to 90 percent of the Russians are anti-war. They're 80 to 90 percent pro-Putin. But if you ask them, what do you think of the war, they're not happy with it, whether they vocalize it or not is another thing. But it might be a different opportunity. But you bring up a great point. It's like sometimes the devil, you know, is better than the devil you don't know and you don't know what's coming in, you know, in his place. On the other hand, I can't imagine someone doing worse things than we're seeing Vladimir Putin right now during to Ukraine. Uh, Frank, great, great points. Um, and I'll take Bangor, Maine, any day of the week, my friend. It is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, Thank. I told you totally I used to go cam- I used to go camping in Soam Sound, Soam Sound Harbor, uh, Cadillac Mountain. I know that whole area and I know Maine very well. I love it. And, uh, and I'm very jealous, Frank. Thank you, my friend. Well, thank you. When we come back, everybody, we're going to continue with your calls. This is obviously big stuff. What do you think? Are they blustering the Russians when they say, yeah, we may use nuclear weapons? And it's coming from the right-hand guy, basically, to Putin. Very serious. This is basically the face and the voice and the spokesperson of Putin. So do we believe it? Do we think that they may use it and use chemical weapons? Or is it all bluster? And can President Biden and NATO this week in Europe navigate what is going to be an unbelievably tricky path for the world, not just for Ukraine, for the world? 1-800-848-9222. And we're going to continue with your calls after the break, everybody.
0: It's the Rita Cosby Show.
1: you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show, we are talking about a stark warning coming tonight from Russia's spokesperson. This is the right-hand guy to Putin, uh, Dmitry Peskov, who's basically Putin's spokesperson, the Kremlin spokesperson, saying, asked in an interview with CNN, Hey, you know what? Um, Could you consider nukes? Oh, yeah. We're considering them. We're considering them in chemical weapons. If that doesn't send a chill down your spine, I don't know what does. And especially at a time where right now President Biden is heading soon to Brussels for the meeting in NATO. Do you think they can do anything? Is there anything they can do to stop Putin? And how much of this is talk by Putin, like a bully who likes to throw out big words? Or is this someone who has a track record And we know he used chemical weapons, at least on Aleppo in Syria, killing tens of thousands of people. This is a man who at least I would not put chemical weapons past this guy. And that makes me really sad to say. But this is a man with a track record. And right now he feels he's being humiliated to the world because the Ukrainian people are not surrendering. He's saying surrender, surrender. He keeps pounding them, but they are fighting. They are warriors, and they are fighting. Let's go to Pete in Staten Island. Pete, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. What do you make of what this guy for Putin is saying? Do you believe him, or or is this just talk to try to scare the world?
5: Rita, I think he's just trying to scare everybody because he's got all his troops there. From what I understand, they don't even have gas masks, he's uh, Russian troops and stuff, and what's going on? I mean, he's so close to all the NATO borders, Poland, and all the you know all the places around there. I don't think he would do something so stupid because those people have nukes too. I mean, this is the verge. Yesterday, I didn't call in because you were having uh, with uh, Norman, who was a very close friend of mine and uh and by the
1: way, the- by the way, for the record, and Norm knows this, I love norm there norm and I, I agree do, norm and I agree ninety nine percent of the time, but i also I also right. like to hear from different opinions because you know this is a very complex you know and a really important topic and and there it's not an easy situation, no matter what it is right
5: well, I'll be honest, i don't know too much about it. I only know what the reports, and I get all my information from. Seventy-seven WABC. Well, then, then uh, you're you a smart Pete. Greg.
1: Pete, you're an yeah. even smarter man than I thought. Then.
5: <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, when you don't know too much about something, you got to be up front and say it. I mean, I learn a lot from Norman. Norman gets very adamant about it because his family's from there, like your family. And, exactly. Uh, you know. And by the and way,
1: I, and by the way, I love also, Pete, the fact that you know Norm feels that. He's trying to kind of get in Putin's head and I understand the mindset of Putin. I don't agree with it. I I see where he's coming. He's got this mind of bringing back, you know, the Russian Empire. He just shouldn't be slaughtering people and taking over a country to do it.
0: Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue.
1: And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night, where I where we honor our great men and women in law enforcement, a story coming out of Washington state from the city of Kent, Washington, where a missing and severely disabled woman there has been found after she spent nine harrowing days alone uh, inside a vehicle. In a tow yard amid near freezing temperatures. You can imagine how cold it must have been. Uh, They said that they are extremely relieved that they were able to locate and rescue the victim. If not for the efforts of our officers, the support of the King County sheriffs and the fire, this incident would have likely ended in tragedy. That's according to the Kent police chief. Now, they say that an officer took a missing person report from a woman on February 14th who stated that her severely disabled adult daughter, 28 years old, had not been seen since earlier this month. A police investigation determined that the disabled sister was last seen on on God February 4th after her mother parked her vehicle at a gas station and then walked off, not realizing that her daughter was inside the car. They then learned that that vehicle was towed to a lot, in Buren, which is about 10 miles away there in Washington State, at the request of gas station personnel, officers contacted the tow company and they found the missing woman inside the vehicle in the back seat, with a bunch of clothes and stuff on top of her. And she is said to be doing OK. So thanks to the great work and investigative work also of law enforcement to track down what happened to locate the severely disabled woman who is now luckily alive and at home with her family. Great work. We are talking, of course, about what could not be bigger stakes. Now, a new threat coming from the key spokesperson of Vladimir Putin. That's Dmitry Peskov. He's like his right-hand guy for years upon years, basically saying, yeah, there's a good chance that Russia, we may use nukes or we may use chemical weapons. Kind of matter-of-factly. You know, yeah, today is, uh, you know, today's Tuesday. Yeah, we may use nuclear weapons as if it was no big deal, which is very chilling. The question is, do you believe that he's bluffing or do you believe that this is real, that he actually may pull the trigger? If you look at the way he is slaughtering the people of Mariupol, he's also leveling schools leveling shelters that clearly say children without regard, shooting people as they're running away. Now a report, as I was saying at the top of the show, and this is unbelievable, 2,400 kids taken by Russians out of the country. What is he planning to do with them? What is going on? You know, do you think that this is bluster or is the next step the step of a real madman? And in the middle of all this, we have Joe Biden, Oh boy, is this a scary premise because he's heading off to NATO. As we know, he's going to Brussels, meeting with all the NATO leaders. Tomorrow he's going to be landing there and and having meetings on Thursday. Listen, I pray that they are extremely successful and can bring about peace in this area, especially for the Ukrainian people, and do something to put Putin's back up against the wall so he does not go any further whatsoever. And this is President Biden talking, saying that, you know what, Putin, if you look at the track record, like, he's not doing too well. Take a listen.
2: And now Putin's back against the wall. He wasn't anticipating the extent or strength of our unity. And the more his back is against the wall, the greater the severity of the tactics he may employ. We've seen it before. He's run a lot of false flag operations Whenever he starts talking about something he thinks NATO, Ukraine, or the United States is about to do, it means he's getting ready to do it. Not a joke.
1: Not a joke. That is scary, scary stuff. And here's a little bit more of President Biden talking. And again, you know what? No disrespect to his age or any of this. But boy, does he just sound tired. He doesn't sound authoritative. And he doesn't sound like someone who's ready to lead the world against a man who is threatening Nuclear weapons. Here's a little more of him talking, saying that the Ukrainians are doing okay
2: because the Ukrainians are fighting so valiantly and using the equipment we've given them. And the United States alone has committed over two billion dollars to NATO. Uh, the idea that they don't have enough uh, sophisticated equipment is just simply not accurate. And I'm not going to take the time to go into all the detail here. But the for, the, the point is, they have every every uh, equipment every piece of equipment that makes rational sense based on our military and NATO's military for them to be able to do what they're doing and they're wreaking havoc on on the uh, on the Russian military whether it's their tanks or their helicopters or their aircraft
1: well it sure doesn't sound like he is forcing anybody to the peace table he just sounds lackluster sounds tired and this is a guy that you're about to send on a trip That could be a turning point in world history and who's supposed to be the leader of the free world. He's just he's not inspiring. And I also don't see him doing the actions of being proactive. He is reactive. And boy, the stakes have risen, everybody, because I want to play. We just got this is the comment, actually, coming from Dmitry Peskov, who just a little bit ago, he was with CNN's international host, Christiane Amanpour, talking about what could Russia do next Take a listen, and this is a chilling response. Here she is asking him about that. I want to ask you again, is President Putin, because, again, the Finnish president said to me that when he asked Putin directly about this, because President Putin has laid that card on the table,
3: President Putin said that if anybody tries to stop him, very bad things will happen. And
1: I want to know whether you are convinced or confident that your boss will not use that option
6: Well, we have a
7: concept of uh, domestic security. And, uh, well, it's public. You can read all the reasons for nuclear uh, arms to be used. So if it is an existential threat for our country, then it can
6: be used in accordance with our concept.
1: Wow. If there is an existential threat, it could be used for our country. What do you think he means by that? Because this is Putin's right-hand guy for the longest time and definitely someone who is representing Vladimir Putin directly. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Anne in Rockland county. and your thoughts about all of this and also Biden's visit um, as he's going to, you know, first he's going to Brussels, then he's going to Poland. Go ahead, Ann.
8: Yes. Um, well, my family, my father is Ukrainian. I was brought up in Ukrainian church and everything. Oh, wow. Um, By the way, so we are
1: thinking of you and your people and your family. My goodness. Wow. Very, it, very close it, to home for you.
8: Yeah, but you got to keep a straight head. Um, the first thing is, Curtis Lewa made a remarkable idea that i think you know would make uh, some kind of great effect. Yeah, anyway, what did he, he say? When, what did, what did Curtis uh, say? He said he said that Biden when he goes to Poland should
1: go visit Kiev. Oh, absolutely. Oh. I 1000% agree with Curtis. I 1000. By the way, it would show first of all, it would show guts. It would send a message. Yes, yes. And and the other thing, too, also, you know, and to your point, I think, yeah. first off, I'm Polish. OK, my father's Polish, oh. my mother's oh. Danish. All right. So yeah. it made me very proud to see the Polish prime minister, along with the leaders of two other nations, just recently. Remember last week? How great was that? They went and met with Zelensky in the war zone. They took a train yeah. on the route that's being bombed. And that you know, guts. I was going to say. So think about the kind of guts if Biden went in there. First of all, I don't think. I think as nuts as Putin is, I don't think he would do anything if he knew Biden. You no, know, was was going no. for one. He's not going to no, no, no. do that. So it, it I would think shock everyone, thousand it would shock percent America. I agree. Yes. I have said that too because I absolutely agree. I think it is a brilliant idea, and he should. And it would show that he's not just some you know kind of bumbling. You know, guy in the background, even though he wouldn't be the first leader to do it, you know. But I contend also, Anne, he should have been dealing and pushing all these sides to the peace table immediately. He should have been. You know, that's what you do. We've seen Turkey try to, like, lead negotiations. We've seen, you know, even, uh, you know, the Vatican. We've seen uh, Macron of France, Israel. But, you know, you don't hear a Biden sort of in the middle of it all or pushing those kind of conversations. And that's typically what America does. It's leading the world. But I, I feel like even if he goes now, yes, it would be great. I think definitely it's better than not going for sure. And it would send a great message. But uh, he got upstage by the polls and by some others already who already uh, showed more guts than he did already. But but I like what you're saying, because I think that would say a powerful message. And I think a whole bunch of NATO leaders should go in there and should stand there with, you know, President Zelensky and say, we are with you and this must end and we're going to do something. Not just a photo op. That's the one thing. I don't want to see him go and leave and say, oh, I was there, but but not do anything, you know. As well, because, boy, are they under siege, Anne.
8: Everybody else go there and say, hey,
1: you want to bomb us? going to bomb us too i i think i just want to say that uh, you know hey by the way and you know what maybe maybe if he goes and he stays for like a month or two then no, he can no, that he day can day just then day. maybe Putin wouldn't bomb for a month or two at least and then uh then they can get all the okay. missiles in. maybe on his plane it could be like no 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 that's just my my wardrobe and it's a couple of mig jets <laughs> yes. in the back of them do you remember caligula yeah a oh yeah bit. of course the
8: movie yeah Yes. Well, you know, I call him Sputum. <laughs> Sputum <laughs> reminds me of Caligula. He's gone mad. Yes. He has gone mad.
1: He is. And um, and it's a scary thing. It is scary, Anne, as you just talked about. How worried, by the way, before I let you go, Anne, how worried is your, you know, your, I don't know if you still have relatives over there, but how worried are they? And, and what are you thinking as you're hearing Putin with some pretty strong talk, too? I
8: just, I just have horrific Nightmares. I'm a I'm an officer. I have to I have to do police work, but in the nighttime, it's um, it's it's horrible. I I I you know like you wake up shaking, but then you have to go to work, and I I guess it's it's okay. But, but then you have to go to sleep at night, and then it's not so so okay. But I you got you got to be positive. You got to be positive, or you'll go mad. And I'm not going to go like Caligula.
1: Good for you. I'm not either. I'm not either. And we're going to keep you and your family in our thoughts and prayers. And let's pray that Biden has the guts to do that. Um, and again, stay more than a day and do more than a photo op. That's that's my that's my only request. If he does the visit, do it right. And thank you very, very much. Let's go to Tony in Canada calling here to the Rita Cosby show. Tone, your thoughts of, uh, first of, yeah, of all, Joe Biden. And what did you think Ann and I were just talking? And and I agree. I said this, too. He should go into Kiev. What do you think of that?
9: Yeah, he should go and bring cackles and uh, <laughs> Schumer and Pelosi there. All four of them.
1: Yeah. And boy, cackles is in fact, I want to play a little bit because there's there's uh, it's frightening as we're talking about Joe Biden's leadership. Tony, stay with us. I'll get you to respond. This is a 22 of 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 uh, the cackles that
10: really cackled. Take a listen. Is the United States willing to make a specific allocation for Ukrainian refugees? And for President Duda, I wanted to know if you think and if you asked the United States to specifically accept more refugees. Okay.
5: <laughs> a friend in need is a friend indeed. <laughs> okay, I, I can first.
10: okay, so this time.
1: Wow. On a, such a serious topic about more than a million at that point refugees coming into Poland. And here's a little bit, by the way, Tone, before I will get you to respond. Um, here is her talking. Now, this is the latest. Um, this is a speech she did. In Los Angeles. And this was like what's stunning is just listen to the verbiage. She's not cackling, um, but she is just all over the place talking about quote the passage of time. And again, it's like she's talking to like a second grader. Remember when she said, like, Russia's a big country, Ukraine is a little country, the big country is trying to beat up on the little country. And she was talking to adults at that time. It wasn't even like she was talking to kindergartners. And here is her kind of again. She's talking to a group of adults, professionals, and she's describing this weird thing. It's it's frightening that her and Joe Biden are the ones who are negotiating basically peace for the world. But take a listen.
2: The governor and I, and we were all um, doing a tour of the library here and um, talking about the significance of the passage of time right, the significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time in terms of what we need to do to lay these wires, what we need to do to create these jobs. And there is such great significance to the passage of time when we think about a day in
1: the life of our children. Tone, can you translate, please?
9: Uh, That sounds like a Seinfeld speech. It's all about nothing.
1: Yeah. Actually, that's a great analogy. You're right, because it's like it's like and and she's talking to adults. What's so scary, Tony, at a time where language is so important and where presentation is so important and to think it's her and Joe, who is like ninety nine percent asleep. And even when he says like, oh, we're going to go after Putin, there's no force in his voice. I'm just thinking Putin is sitting there going, yeah, right. And this is the person who's supposed to sadly galvanize NATO in the world right now. It, it's actually a really, it's a scary thing. It actually seriously concerns me. What about you, Tone, that it's, it's cackles in it, it, him?
9: It, it's absolutely sad and a sorry situation. But um, back to what we were talking about, oh, you were talking about Biden. He's not, he's not going to NATO to help. He's never been a leader. And Putin's got some dirt on him. They have to have something on him because he's just too laid back. And as far as Putin is concerned, he's opened up a Pandora's box with Ukraine because the Ukrainians will never, never give up. They'd rather be dead than red. Ukraine will join NATO and the UE. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Oh, that's interesting. Well, now, listen, it's come out essentially, Zelensky even said that, listen, we'll take it off the table because he believes that there's no way that it could be part if there's ever going to be a, a resolution, a peace deal. So he's kind of said, you know, look, we can hold off NATO, uh, being NATO, as long as you get give me sort of independent protection, sort of like kind of not NATO officially, but still have protection. So I think... At the end of the day, maybe he won't be NATO, but he will have some sort of security force, maybe an international security force that protects him. I hope that that's the way it ends with it still being Ukraine. And I hope Putin, you know, goes back uh, to his country and and somebody in his country happens to make a mistake one day in his food, you know, or something. I'm telling you, uh, you know, it's like I hope that the Russians themselves take care of the problem that is Putin because he's not just bringing down Ukraine. I think he's bringing down Russia. I think he's bringing down the world. Um, So let's see where this goes. Tone, thank you. But let's pray uh, that, boy, between Joe Biden and cackles, boy, are things tough. We're going to continue your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. Do you believe these folks can negotiate peace for the world and for Ukraine? And, boy, do it soon.
0: This is The Rita Cosby Show.
1: And by the way, everybody, coming up in our next hour here on the Rita Cosby Show, we are going to have great investigative journalist John Solomon of Just the News, who is going to be joining us in about 18, 19 minutes or so from now. And he is going to be talking about some blockbuster coverage that they have related to Katanji Brown-Jackson. She is, of course, the Supreme Court nominee for Joe Biden. And there's some really interesting things in her background related to her defense of a Guantanamo detainee, a terrorist. Why was she defending him? And why was she helping him, trying to get him a softer punishment? Does that sound like somebody we want on the high court? And also, today she was grilled about sentencing that she gave to those involved in child pornography, a very serious topic, too, as well. Um, And basically, she had a choice where she could sentence them. She sentenced them below the minimum standard, basically. Like, okay. And in some cases, no prison time. So... John has a really blockbuster report, not just on her position on crime, but also on race, too. Really fascinating. And he is going to be sharing it with us exclusively coming up in about 15 minutes here on the Rita Cosby Show. We'll be taking your calls also on that and also your thoughts about this woman now who looks like she will coast and be on the highest court on the land. Um, but there's some interesting stuff on her background that reminds me of people like George Gascone and people like Alvin Bragg and people like that. And boy, maybe that should be a big, big red flag to so many people across the country. Meantime, we are talking, of course, about the war in Ukraine. And of course, we were just playing the comments that came from Dmitry Peskov, who is the spokesperson for Vladimir Putin, saying, quote, if there is an existential threat We may respond with nuclear weapons. Boy, is that scary. And I want to play. This is John Kirby, number two. He was at the Pentagon today, Pentagon spokesperson. And this is uh, John Kirby talking about that. He has no doubt that already Vladimir Putin, with the way he has attacked civilians, that he is absolutely a war criminal.
3: United States, as well as so many other nations, Ainsley, are, are documenting what we can so that we can help these investigative process come to the conclusion about what Russia is doing. But look, we've been very honest. I mean, I said it yesterday from the podium. We see that the Russians are, are clearly, there's clear evidence that their military, uh, their forces are, 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 are conducting war crimes. We're not, we're not shying away from that. I mean, you can see it for yourself in just the video footage that you guys show
1: every day. So you can see it every day. He is committing war crimes. And now his spokesperson saying, hey, it might get to nuclear weapons. Um, Let's go to Phil in the Bronx. Phil, you've been here on the Rita Cosby show. You've been waiting a little bit, my friend. Go ahead, Phil.
6: Everybody back to door. Hey, Phil. Yeah. Hi, Rita. I'm sorry. I I didn't hear you.
1: Hey, Uh, Phil. We're uh, here with you here on the show. What do you think real quick, my friend?
6: You're talking about Ukraine. Yes. Yes. OK, here's the deal. This is something right out of the Department of Defense handbook uh, from the Pentagon. I, I could tell you because we, we, we went all through this 100 times. If Putin gets really ticked off and he doesn't get his little bag of bubble gum, he's going to he's going to drop probably a battle, what they call a, a battlefield nuke, which is a very, very low yield nuke. It's probably about maybe 25 kilotons. Now, what, can like,
1: I ask you, Phil, just because I know you're a, a military guy. We have a few seconds. What yeah. should we do? Should he do that?
6: Well, absolutely nothing. Because he he is he's a man possessed. He, listen, Rita, the history of Ukraine and Russia have, goes back the, the arguments and the wars and the fighting. We're talking a 600-year
1: history. Absolutely. No, you're right, Phil. You are absolutely right. Sorry we have a hard out, but, Phil, thank you. You're right. There is a long history, but let's pray peace comes.
0: Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is The Rita Cosby Show. I
1: And on the Rita Cosby Show, we are talking, of course, about the terror that is reigning in on Ukraine. And now we want to talk about representing terror suspects because that became front row and center today during the Supreme Court nominee hearings for Ketanji Brown Jackson. This is the judge that, of course, that President Biden has nominated to the Supreme Court. Um, if she goes through, if she's confirmed, which likely she will, um, but if she is confirmed, she would become the first African-American woman on the U.S. Supreme Court. And like every Supreme Court nominee, I think all sides, no matter who it is, whether it's Republican, Democrat, you know, green, purple, pink, I don't care what they are. They should be grilled. They should be asked the tough questions because they will be one of just a handful of justices that are going to be on the Supreme Court. And they make major decisions on law. And I think everything is really fair game. I don't think you want to get personal or nasty or anything like that. But looking at somebody's judicial record should be basic. And coming up in just a few minutes from now, we're going to have on John Solomon, great investigative journalist with Just the News, who has broken some big scoops about Ketanji Brown's background. If you look at her background, basically on Guantanamo clients. These are the worst of the worst guys that are held at Guantanamo Bay. And she was representing a few of them. So we're going to get into that. Also, the fact that that when child pornography cases came before her, and she was at that point a judge, basically, on a sentencing commission, she basically said, no, you don't have to give them mandatory sentencing jail time for first-time offenders of child pornography. Are you kidding me? You know, this comes... I feel like I'm listening to Alvin Bragg. I feel like I'm listening to George Gascon, the DA in Los Angeles and the DA in New York. I mean, to me... This is a serious issue, and I absolutely think all these things are fair game. At a time right now where crime is escalating across the country, while we're so worried about what's happening with Iran and North Korea and certainly what's happening in Ukraine with Russia and so forth, boy, I think especially where somebody stands on being potentially soft on crime, soft on terrorists, soft on child pornographers, you bet it's fair game, and you bet – that they should be asked these serious questions. And here's a little bit. Here are some comments from Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee uh, talking today during the nomination hearing with Ketanji Brown-Jackson. Take a listen. You also have a consistent pattern of giving child porn offenders lighter sentences. On
8: average, you sentence child porn defendants to over five years below the minimum sentence recommended by the sentencing guidelines. And
1: you have stated publicly that it is a mistake to assume that child pornography offenders are pedophiles. And here is Ted Cruz questioning her today. Here's a little bit of back and forth, and she never really gave a clear answer. Listen how she she went to the circle back school of
10: Sakiism. Take a listen.
7: In hundred percent of the cases, was the evidence less than the prosecutors asked for?
10: Senator, the evidence in these cases are egregious. The evidence in these cases are among the worst that I have seen. And yet, as Congress directs, judges don't just calculate the guidelines and stop. Judges have to take into account the personal circumstances of the defendant because that's a requirement of Congress. Judges have to consider things like, the victims, and when I was talking about making sure that victims' circumstances are heard, it was about my sentencing practices well, that that I
7: show victims being heard with respect.
10: Wow!
1: So she never really gave an answer, and she said, "Yeah, you know, we're looking at this, we're looking at that," and then she also didn't. Say that, no, they're, you know, yeah, I just looked at everything, took everything into account. I talked to the defendant, explained that his actions were not good. I did that repeatedly when I had a number of child pornographers. So then in the end, her results speak for itself, that many times she gave them below the minimum sentence or zero sentence. So is this someone that you want now in the highest court of the land? And now people who are questioning her are being labeled even racist. Uh, That's a fair question. At a time right now, compared to the way they treated Brett Kavanaugh, remember they accused him of, like, gang, I mean, these horrible things. And here, these are fair game questions. How do you handle child pornographers? Have you given them light sentences? Here's the track record. Why were you representing Guantanamo detainees She was assigned to the cases, but then she was taken off the cases, and she still continued to represent them and basically fight for them. Is this who you think should be in the highest court in the land? I have a problem with someone who is soft on Guantanamo detainees and soft on child pornographers. That has one of the biggest recidivisms of any crime. Anybody who's involved in child crimes, pedophiles, child pornography where they're taking pictures and doing that kind of thing and sharing those kind of things. That is one of the highest recidivism rates. They will repeat over and over and over again. You talk to any prosecutor and I have talked to many of them. That is one of the highest. And that's the kind of person that needs help and that needs fixing. And that should get some jail time to get a wake up call. Cause you think there's something okay with somebody who's involved in child pornography that they do not shouldn't even get any jail time. Are you kidding me? What do you think, everybody? And am I being tough on her? Or is this just not the right person at the right time in America where crime is skyrocketing? Don't you think maybe they could have picked somebody who would have a little more balance on the court? I can tell you the way she's going to vote. Ultra liberal every single time. Just put a stamp on it right now. That's clearly where she is going to go. And is that a sign of where the court is going to be headed now with her in there? Of course, it's still Republican run, overwhelmingly, because it's still a majority Republican. But still, clearly, this woman is going to, I think, just do a bucket stamp uh, and anything that has to do with crime. She's, oh, let's talk to the criminal. Let's have sympathy. Is this the right time to have somebody with that approach? I say no. 1-800-848-9222. one 1-800- 800 8489222 and joining us now here on the Rita Cosby show is the great investigative journalist with just the news John Solomon Um, John, first off, um, you have a great piece, and I want to get to it, um, that's coming out, I think, or just came out literally that you're sharing with us, which I'm so glad you are because it's so important. You guys have been leading the way, John, I think, so much on the coverage of this Supreme Court nominee by Biden. And first, let's talk about the child porn background and, and her history with sentencing child pornographers, which is a very serious crime.
11: Yeah, no it is. And as you as you pointed out rightly, it's a crime that often has recidivism to it, right? Child predators often are repeat offenders. And so uh, I think you saw the senator's take her on today and her uh, you know her defenses were interesting. She'd say, "Well, I don't, trial being a child pornographer isn't necessarily being a pedophile." I think a lot of people disagree with that assessment. She was trying to split hairs on a definition, but I don't think people see much difference. In in either case, because you're preying on young children sexually. And did that's she, did she
1: say that today that that it's a tra- that sort of splitting hairs between child pornographers and pedophiles? Yeah, did she didn't use to- the word
11: splitting hairs, but she did say that she thought that she saw a difference between a pedophile. Someone who's a child pornographer isn't necessarily a, a pedophile. That's what she said. Yeah, they're today, just so. they're
1: just thinking about it, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, how's that make it any better? You know.
11: Well, in some cases, by many pornographers are doing more than, than thinking about it. They're actually filming it and doing horrible things. And so the exploitation of children is a is a continuous cycle. And I think uh, it was hard for some people to see the distinction she was trying to make. We know also that beyond the sentencing that she did, she she wrote an anonymous column that she's now disclosed, disclosed to the Senate Judiciary Committee. This is something we wrote about about a month ago. Uh, that uh, argued that sometimes these sentences for child pornographers and child sex predators were too harsh. And I think a lot of people don't believe that. They actually believe that the minimum standards are there for a reason because the crime is so heinous. So you see somebody sympathetic there. Then you take a look at the terrorism argument she made, and you did a great job enumerating her position. Her argument was that uh, a terrorist who launched an attack on Americans, and in one case she was representing a guy that carried out an attack on a forward operating base a u.s forward operating base in iraq that they didn't deserve to be treated as enemy combatants under the law. That's a pretty remarkable thing. Someone attacks a military base in Iraq, we would normally consider them an enemy combatant. Certainly under the rules of war, we've always considered that. She argued against that. So she's somebody who not only has sympathy uh, for the terrorists, she was trying to argue against the common sense notion that someone who launches an attack against the United States military base shouldn't be considered uh, an enemy combatant. I think a lot of people disagree with that.
1: And, and, by, the, and by the way, John, too. um it, this was sort of like an al qaeda bomb expert, oh, yeah. um, there was one also who was a Taliban intelligence officer because it was yeah. multiple ones so it 's it 's like oh, i 'm sorry like just like you said, um, you know somebody who 's an al qaeda bomb expert, a Taliban intelligence officer. And apparently she represented a lot of these cases, obviously, as a federal public defender from 05 to 07. You have she had to because she was assigned the case. But then she goes into private practice and she writes an amicus brief, like a friend of the court brief, like a friend of the terrorist brief, I guess you should call it. Right. (laughs) Right. And, And says, oh, this is this guy is such a wonderful person, basically. And. You know, and he's not such a bad guy like you just said. He's not, you know, he's not an enemy combatant. He's, yeah. he, you know, he he's a wonderful guy who loves, you know, small animals and children and, and ice cream, you know. I mean, are you yeah. kidding me? you we'll
11: just have to no, no, ignore the fact that he tried to launch an attack and kill American soldiers. That's what you have to do to buy that argument. And I think, you know, people are seeing a disconnect Between this judge's views, which, by the way, are representative representative of a lot of elitists who come out of Harvard, out of these law schools that are now in the halls of power in New York and Washington, particularly, and how everyday common sense Americans really view the world. And and you know, the story we have tomorrow morning, I think, advances that notion a a little bit more. In a speech that she gave in 2015, uh, uh, Judge Jackson argued that uh, critical race theory needed to be among the Considerations that a per, uh, judge makes when he when he or she is sentencing someone. Now, think about that for a second. That is a theory that a lot of Americans reject. Many parents went to school boards over the last two years to eject, uh, reject this notion. Glenn Yankin was uh, uh, elected a governor of Virginia for opposing this notion that someone's skin color will predetermine whether they are either oppressed or oppressors. A lot of Americans reject that idea. This is a judge that believes judges should consider this as part of their sentencing guidelines when they're considering the sentencing of a person. Really remarkable speech that's been given out there. And she boasted how much she liked critical race theory, the founder of the critical race theory. His book was on their table in her parents' house. This is somebody that has embraced the far-left notions for a very long time, is very comfortable bragging about them, and doesn't believe that this Affects, As she said today, I don't believe what I've said about critical race today will affect my role as a judge. Well, you told a whole bunch of law students that they sh- it should affect their judgment. Uh, there were some contradictions in how she answered today, and I think a lot of head-scratching for senators who represent middle America.
1: Yeah, and it was interesting because I, I saw the exchange. I think it was what Ted Cruz was even talking yeah. a little bit about it with her, Senator Ted Cruz. And she at first kind of said, I'm not really sure what you mean by critical race theory. It was almost like, "Uh, yeah, you do. Here's your speech. (laughs) You know, it's like, it's like, no, I don't have a house. Well, let me give you the keys to your house because you do have a house. Um, So she almost kind of danced around it. How do you think that this impacts crime and also, um, you know, at a time right now, John Solomon where people are so concerned about crime across the country, rising crime in, you know, almost every major city across America sure. right now. And we've got soft on crime DAs left and right. You know, I talked about Los Angeles, Philly, San Fran. Um, the list kind of goes on and on. New York. Um, how do, how is she maybe not the right person for the moment um, to be there on the high court? Cause she's young. And if she goes through and it looks like she probably will, um, you know, this is a lifetime appointment.
11: Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, the Democrats do think she's the right person. They couldn't have spoken more glowingly for her today. And you, what you see the Republicans doing in this hearings, the Republicans are unlikely to be able to block this nomination. She's most likely going to get approved despite the, uh, the exploitation out of these very liberal, uh, out of mainstream America viewpoints that have now been drawn out. What the Uh, Republicans are doing is setting the argument for the November election, and uh, not only in 2022, but also in 2024. Joe Biden gave us soft on crime Democrats. He gave us prosecutors. He he gave us people who believe that no bail is the right way to deal with uh, violent felons. Let them go right back out and commit more crimes. He believed in opening up the border and allowing those criminals to come into your community. And he even believed in putting someone on the high Supreme Court that believes all these philosophies. They're setting up the ultimate political attack ad, the Willie Horton attack ad of uh, 1988, updated for the 21st century. Uh, This is going to be one of the predominant... Uh, arguments that Republicans make why they should be in power, two things Democrats don't believe that parents should be in control of their children's education and that race should be the predominant of your child's future and two that uh, being soft on criminals terrorists, child sex predators is the democratic way, and that is not the way most Americans want their cities to be run. So I think that Republicans were playing the long game today when when Ted Cruz pulled out that chart. That's a chart that's going to come back to uh, remind everybody in the elections in November uh, in a few months.
1: Yeah, I agree with you uh, very, very much. I think so, too. Um, and, in fact, uh, after the break, we're going to play a little bit of a contrast of how the Dems treated Brett Kavanaugh. What a contrast that was. Um, John Solomon, thank you very much. And, again, everybody, make sure you check out John's column uh, tomorrow that he just reported. Actually, he just put it out now um, on critical race theory and how Jackson argued it. Thank you so much. Great job on all this stuff, John. Thank you.
11: Love your
1: show, thank you. You too. We love having you on. And when we come back, everybody, we're taking your calls 1 800 848 9222.
0: This is The Rita Cosby Show,
1: and you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. We are talking. About Supreme Court nominee Katanji Brown Jackson, who in the past has represented Guantanamo Bay clients. These are Gitmo detainees, including uh, men alleged to have been an Al Qaeda bomb expert, a Taliban intelligence officer, a man who trained to fight American forces in Afghanistan, and also someone else who worked with the Taliban and also gave pedophiles those. Individuals particularly, actually, she parsed it and said there's a difference between those who are involved in child pornography and pedophiles who do child porn. Those who watch child porn should, in many cases, as a first offender, not get any jail time. Yeah, just let them walk if they're handling child porn. That, to me, doesn't sound like somebody we really want on the high court. I think you need to get tough with people, not get soft on people who are doing that. But if you criticize her, take a listen, because this is Ellie Mistel. He is a commentator on MSNBC, and he said any of these Republican senators who are grilling the Supreme Court nominee today, well, he said, they're racist. Take a listen.
3: All they've got is the racism. They're going to go about the LSAT scores. Some of them are going to call her an affirmative action nominee. Some of them are going to ask her why she's not sad that good white people weren't considered for the job. Like, that's literally what they have. And then you have, you know, the Josh Hawley ridiculousness. But, like, that's the, 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 the challenge will just be keeping her cool.
1: Wow. That is obscene. How ridiculous is that? It's like you can't criticize her. Because she's an African-American, she would be the first African-American woman to the high court. Oh, no, that's not fair. Think about what happened with Brett Kavanaugh. Remember, he got grilled left and right. They gave that guy no mercy. But that's okay. But if it's a Democrat, oh, and you can't go after that person, then you're beating up on them. Meanwhile, she gave lower than minimum sentences to those with child pornography as a first-time offense, clearly having sympathy. And as you just heard, with John Solomon, she was parsing the difference between child porn and those who are pedophiles, saying, oh, well, pedophiles are much worse. Child porn isn't so bad, basically. I mean, she's basically trying to separate these issues. And then also on the Guantanamo case, representing guys filing an amicus brief, basically a friend-of-the-court brief to represent them, you know, and to basically say, you know, they're not so bad after all. They didn't really mean to blow up that U.S. Army barracks. They didn't mean it. I mean, is this the kind of person that we want right now? Let's go to Roger in Massachusetts. Roger, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Your thoughts, Roger. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, thanks. I turned the radio on an hour ago on on a station that I wasn't even paying attention to, and they were finishing up Martha Black. Marsha Blackburn was finishing up with her questions, and they were just getting ready to adjourn. She was asked two or three different ways whether or not kindergarteners should be allowed to choose their gender. She would not answer yes or no. When she was asked, "Will you d- define w- w- what a woman is?" she would not answer. And when she was asked, "Do you think parents and children pedophiles?" she said, "No, it shouldn't be concerned."
1: Wow, Rod, that's really interesting. Um, Because I'm not surprised to hear that she wouldn't say whether kindergartners have the right to choose their gender. It fits with the personality of all these other things. And also the fact that we were just hearing from John Solomon, who just has a great column up, saying that she feels critical race theory should be involved in sentencing.
0: Rita Cosby is on. show presents support our heroes.
1: And in tonight's support our heroes segment here on the Rita Cosby show which I love always because we get a chance to honor our great men and women in uniform. We are talking about the Commonwealth of Virginia because they are honoring the service and sacrifice of women veterans this week. Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears participated in the Virginia Women Veteran Pinning and Recognition Ceremony at the War Memorial in Richmond. And it took place yesterday. The veterans around the state were presented with commemorative Lead the Way pins. And Winsome Sears, of course, the new lieutenant governor who came in with the new Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin, said, we know that as women in the military, we all pretty much come up the same. You know, we've had to prove ourselves. We've had to show that, yeah, you know, we can do what men do. We can do it as well. Maybe not as strong, but we can get it done. Maybe it takes a little more time, but we can get it done. By the way, as you may recall, she uh, was a Marine Corps veteran. So how cool is that, too? And again, came in with Glenn Youngkin, who, of course, fought against critical race theory in schools. Um, In Virginia, by the way, that is home to one hundred and nine thousand women veterans. That is the highest percentage per population of any state in the country. And what a great thing to see her being a part of that. Well, we were just mentioning critical race theory because that is something that according to a whole bunch of different reports. And we just heard from John Solomon, the great investigative journalist, that in a speech, That Supreme Court nominee, this is Joe Biden's Supreme Court nominee, Ketanji Brown Jackson, who had her nomination hearing today before the Senate, basically the next few days are these series of hearings where they get to ask her, here's your judicial record, what's in your background, here's what you said at this speech, here's who you are, it determines what kind of a judge you're going to be on the highest court of the land, because that's a big deal, obviously. Well, according to a series of different speeches, one that John Solomon obtained where she spoke in a 2020 Martin Luther King Jr. Day lecture. She basically said that race should be considered at somebody's sentencing. So this is somebody who definitely believes in critical race theory on so many different levels. And in fact, Ted Cruz was asking her a lot about critical race theory today. And she was like, well, I don't really know what that is. But meanwhile, she's like citing it when she's doing lectures not that long ago. And then we also are hearing about her soft on crime policies in terms of child pornography. Those who've been found with child pornography, first time offense, you know, normally there's a minimum and a maximum. She typically has gone below the minimum whenever these cases have come before her as a judge. And then in the case of Guantanamo detainees, including one that was an Al Qaeda bomb expert, I think that's a pretty bad guy. Well, you know what? She wrote a brief saying, you know what? This person should have basically, the court should have mercy on him. You know, I don't think the court should have mercy. I think they should lock him up and throw away the key. You know, I don't think you should ever see the light of day if this is somebody who is an al-Qaeda bomb expert. You want that person walking the streets? I don't think so. So is this somebody who is ready for the highest court in the land? And boy, even with these things in her background... I think the senators today, the Republicans, were very civil. A lot of people were saying, oh, they were too hardcore. Are you kidding me? They treated her like, you know, like uh, patty cakes compared. To the way that Democrats treated Brett Kavanaugh, take a listen. Who could forget? This is just one of the things. Brett Kavanaugh was like, remember they accused him of like gang rape. They accused him of all these things, and the woman later kind of retracted the sta- the statements. I mean, what a what a mess. But they showed no mercy. Here's a little bit of a contrast. I'll take you back.
3: If you, Judge Kavanaugh, turns Don McGann, and to this committee. And say for the sake of my reputation, my family name, and to get to the bottom of the truth of this, I am not going to be an obstacle to an FBI investigation. I would hope that all the members of the committee would join me in saying we're going to abide by your wishes and we will have that investigation. I I welcome whatever the committee wants to do because I'm telling the truth. I want to know what you want to do. I'm telling the truth. I want to know what you want to do. Judge. I'm innocent. I'm innocent of this charge. Then you're prepared for an FBI investigation. They don't reach conclusions; you reach the conclusions. No, Center. but they do investigate questions. I'm, I'm and innocent. And you can't have it both ways, Judge. You can't say here at the beginning. I, I wanted a hearing, moment. Look, I welcome thing, any kind of investigation. This thing was sprung on me. This. this thing was sprung at the last minute after being held by staff. You know, Judge. And I, called for, no I called for a to, hearing immediately. If there is no truth to her charges. The FBI investigation will show that. Or are you afraid that they might not? No. Come on. Hey. Jay Whip. The FBI does not reach, con- you know, you know, this is, you know, that's a phony well, question you're, because you're, the FBI doesn't reach conclusions. So they just go. provide the 302s. Yeah. 302s so I can explain to people who don't know what that is. What? They just go and do what you're doing. Yeah. Ask questions and then type up a report. They don't reach the bottom this line.
1: Wow. That was like continuous. Remember, he was like almost in tears. Remember, it was like my family, my this. I've never met this person. I don't know what you're, they pulled out his yearbook. You know, it was like, this is what you did on Tuesday at three o'clock. You know, you wore the wrong shirt. I mean, it was like unbelievable. You drank a beer. Remember that? It was like, that was like the most vicious hearing I have ever heard. And then today, the Democrats are saying, well, boy, did Ted Cruz beat up on Katanji Brown about her defending child pedophiles? Well, take a listen.
7: Every single case, 100% of them, when prosecutors came before you with child pornography cases, you sentenced the defenders to to substantially below not just the guidelines, which are way higher, but what the prosecutor asked for on average of these cases, 47.2% less. Now, you said you made sure the voice of the children was heard. Do you believe in a case... Like United States versus Hawkins, where the prosecutor asked for 24 months and you sentenced the offender to only three months? Do, do you believe the voice of the children is heard when 100% of the time you're sentencing child uh, those in possession of child pornography to far below what the prosecutor is asking for?
10: Yes, Senator, I do.
7: Could, could you explain how?
10: I will. A couple of observations. One is that your chart does not include... All of the factors that Congress has told judges to consider, including the probation office's recommendation in these cases.
7: Judge, we don't have those probation. The committee has not been given the probation office's recommendation. We would welcome them. I would, Mr. Chairman, I would love to see those. The
10: The second thing I would say is that I take these cases very seriously as a mother, as someone who, as a judge, has to review the actual evidence in these cases and, based on Congress's requirement, take into account not only the sentencing guidelines, not only the recommendations of the parties, but also things like the stories of the victims. Also things like the nature and circumstances of the offense and the history and characteristics of the defendant. Congress is the body that tells sentencing judges what they are supposed to look at. And Congress has said that a judge is not playing a numbers game. The judge is looking At all of these different factors and making a determination in every case based on a number of different considerations. And in every case, I did my duty to hold the defendants accountable in light of the evidence and the information that was presented to me. So, how did she make the perps be responsible? Well, Congress
1: doesn't tell her she should go below the minimum sentencing. Congress can say, yeah, judges, you know, here's like the ballpark. Here's what happens. And no, she goes below the minimum sentencing. Congress doesn't say, you know, give them a free pass, basically. And in fact, this is what she did say. She said she talks to the perp that when someone's before her court, oh, she doesn't just say go and go home. She talks to the guy or gal and says, here's what you did. You need to understand the circumstances. And then she lets them walk free. So does this sound like punishment? Take a listen how she describes the punishment that she allocates to child pornographers.
10: For every defendant who comes before me and who suggests, as they often do, that they're just a looker, that these crimes don't really matter. They've collected these things on the Internet and it's fine. I tell them about the victim statements that have come in to me as a judge. I tell them about the adults who were former child sex abuse victims who tell me that they will never have a normal adult relationship because of this abuse.
1: And obviously that's important for them to hear, but do you think that that's punishment? And don't you think that those people who are doing it Don't really care and don't really realize if they're at the point where they're using child pornography, distributing it. And you're going to let somebody like that walk free with, again, which has highest, one of the highest repetition rates, recidivisms for crimes. Because sex crimes, and particularly with children, have enormous pedophiles, child pornographers. They have some of the highest repeat offending rates in the country. So you're just going to say, oh, yeah, you ruined this person's childhood, which, boy, did you ruin somebody's childhood. Any young child who's engaged, you know, who's brought into this, um, their childhood is so ruined and robbed. And, and then their pictures are out there on the Internet forever. Think about that, too. The way things are now electronically, once an image is out there and it's shared, it's shared all over the place. It's not like you can almost pull – you can't really pull it back. I mean, that is really, really sad. So it's out there for the rest of their lives. There could be some image of them as a child that's out there with something horrible that has happened. And you're just going to tell the the guy, oh, this is what you did to them. And don't worry. Have a good day. We're not going to give you any jail time to people who have a clear addiction and repeat over and over again. I've interviewed a lot of pedophiles as a, you know, as a journalist. I have done many stories. And even the ones that say they're, quote, reformed, still tell me they have problems getting back because there's clearly something wrong if you're engaged in, in that or you're engaged in child pornography. And the fact that she is allowing any kind of criminal, let alone somebody who is doing these horrible things with children, or viewing horrible things with children, throw the book at them. I mean, to me, this is where I think there really needs to be tough love um, because my heart breaks for these victims and for their families and somebody who goes there needs to get a lesson, not get like a free pass at Denny's or something like that. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Chris in Bergen County, New Jersey. Go ahead, Chris, your thoughts about Katanji Brown Jackson.
12: Hi, Rita. Um, We have to, uh,
6: uh, enough's enough with this, hiring people based on color or gender. Do we not learn a lesson with Kamala? I mean, really? Where, where does this end?
1: Yeah, you know what? You're, you're right that, although I will say in this case with her, if you look at her background, um, I mean, she's, an, in terms of accomplishments, forget about the policy, but in terms of accomplishments, she is articulate. Um, I thought today, I mean, she's an accomplished woman, Um And I thought even today, even under questioning, she was very poised. Um, I thought she handled it really well. I don't agree with, you know, her saying that race should be a factor in sentencing. I don't uh, certainly don't agree with her in terms of the way she handled, you know, child pornographers and Guantanamo detainees. I mean, to me, there's some shocking things in her background. But I still think that she is, you know, um, a qualified individual, but I don't. I think some of her policies are, are way off. Um, Chris, thank you very much. Appreciate the call. Let's go to Jim in Long Island. Jim, your thoughts about Ketanji Brown-Jackson?
7: Lovely, Rita. How are you doing tonight?
1: I'm good. How are you doing? And what what do you think about her? I mean, I thought she was very, I thought she answered in a, in a very, like, professional way. Again, but I don't agree with her answers. And I don't agree with her trying to split hairs about child pornographers and pedophiles like Basically, pornographers are not that bad. I mean, there's, you know, essentially that's that's, you know, there's some weird stuff in here.
7: I think she's a very good actress. Uh, If we put somebody on the Supreme Court like this, you can just forget about it. All holes are over. It's uh, it's just ridiculous to, to see this going on in our country to allow someone like that, not because of their color. I don't care. I'm not a racist, you know. But you have to have the right person, a moral person, not somebody who's going to let pedophiles go and say, oh, it's OK to watch it and look at it.
1: Absolutely. And and basically say, look, this is what you did to somebody. But don't worry about it. You know, we're not going to give you any jail time. I mean, and and she kept like she kept passing the buck, too. It's like Congress gives us this thing. Congress gives us that. It's like um, you have a choice when you have somebody before you. You don't give them a slap on the wrist and, again, a free pass, especially these kind of crimes. Um, Jim, thank you very, very much. Let's go to Tom in Bergen Beach, Brooklyn. Um, Go ahead, Tom. You're here on the Rita Cosby Show.
12: Good evening, Rita. I'm a little uh, aggravated. I mean, she's going to make decisions like this. I'm I'm a survivor of uh, childhood sexual abuse.
1: Oh, uh, my goodness, be- Tom. So you, you say you are a, you're a survivor of uh, child sexual abuse yourself. Wow. I'm so sorry, yeah. and and thank you for calling, and, and your insight is so important. So thank you.
12: It, I mean, this is just mine. I mean, I don't know if it's anybody else who's been abused as a child, but to, to let anybody go. I mean, I understand that she was talking about people with um, uh, just the pictures. I don't know if all of the cases were, were just pictures.
1: Yeah, it's unclear. I know she said she kept trying to make distinctions between, you know, whether it's pictures or video, whether um, they were actually committing it. But it could also be people who were distributing it, people who were maybe on the business side of it, sadly, you know. Um, And I think, Tom, I want to hear, you know, from your experience, um, when you hear that there are judges who give first-time offenders for those who are somehow involved – in child, you know, pornography in terms of access to it or producing it, getting no jail time as a child sexual abuse survivor, um, to me, this is not the way to teach these. I think these terrible criminals a lesson.
12: Not at all. It's deplorable what she's doing, what she did. Uh, if she's going to continue to have this kind of record, I think they really need to take a serious look. I mean, the the idea for me, I go through. I have really bad PTSD. Um, and um, matter of fact, I'm going to a program probably tomorrow, um, and I'm very upset that I have to deal with all of these images. You know, I have uh, besides nightmares, I get intrusive thoughts all day long. This is the kind of stuff. I mean, there's plenty of uh, anxiety, depression, there's all that stuff that comes along with, with this stuff. And she's going to re- she has to realize that when she has people like this, they have to be punished so they don't do it again. Because Absolutely. if they keep doing it, you're going to have people like me you know and the kids that grow up to be like me grace you know
1: well you you sound like a terrific guy tom and and thank you by the way very much for calling and sharing your perspective and and your courage too to be able to share it with other people too and your your opinion matters so so much um and i'm so sorry you had to go through this but um but uh, bravo for being able to talk about it and and let people know about the lasting effects sadly that happened. Um, as a result of this and how it's important um, that those who do improper things um, are appropriately punished so they can never do it to somebody else again. Um, Thank you so much, Tom, for calling in. Um, It's, you know, it's moving to hear from you. Thank you very, very much, Tom. When we come back, we're going to continue with your calls. You just heard Tom's very important perspective about the lasting effects that happen to somebody as a result of you know of you know child sexual abuse and child pornography and he feels these people need to have the book thrown at him if you commit a crime like that i totally agree with tom um what are your thoughts everybody as this person with the highest court in the land now saying well you know what first-time offenders they should get no jail time that is ridiculous 1-800-848-9222
0: it's the rita cosby show
1: And this is the Rita Cosby Show. We are talking about Katanji Brown-Jackson and her record on being soft on crime, uh, representing Guantanamo detainees after she was a judge. She was assigned to the case, but then afterwards she continued with it, representing them, doing a friend-of-the-court brief, then also arguing in a number of other things, as we heard from John Solomon, that race should be considered in someone's sentencing. Does someone agree with that? I think you look at the crime and what they did, look at their background, and take all that into account. I don't think you should be looking at skin color. She very much thinks you should. And also, she also, according to a whole bunch of her different sentencings when she was on a sentencing commission, she went below the minimum On many cases involving child pornographers, making a distinction between child pornographers and pedophiles today, as you heard in the nomination hearing, and also saying when it comes to child pornographers, well, in most cases, I won't do a mandatory sentence time. That basically, most cases, you don't have to give them any jail time for the first offense. I'm sorry, but if somebody is caught with child pornography or creating child pornography, you got to be kidding me. Throw the book at them. Here's a little bit. This is Senator Marsha Blackburn talking about possibly is there some private thing going on? Is there a different agenda going on with, you know, Ketanji Brown-Jackson today during the hearing? Is there sort of a criminal justice reform element to her? You once wrote that every judge has, and I quote, personal hidden agendas, end quote, then influence how they decide cases. So I can only wonder, what's your hidden agenda? And joining us now to talk about all of this, let's go to your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Larry in Brooklyn. Larry, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Your thoughts? Hey, Larry? Larry, I'm losing you. Let's go to Michael in Dallas. Go ahead, Michael. You're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Your thoughts, Michael?
9: Hi, Rita. I've been involved with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children for many years and have worked with child trafficking and sex abuse for over 30. And the statistics are alarming. And what the judge has said today does not line up with what's in reality. An offender who is not basically caught, treated, or incarcerated is likely to commit the acts again to 380 times in his lifetime.
1: Wow! Wait a minute, Michael. Three. I knew that there was an enormously high recidivism race, but you're talking about an unbelievable. Wow!
9: For males on repeat offense that they are not dealt with.
1: Wow, Michael. Thank you. That that is absolutely stunning. Charles, real quick from Queens. We have a few seconds. Charles, go ahead. Your thoughts on this? Okay.
12: Basically, Rita, you had said that they should they should of a less. They shouldn't do it again. As you said yourself, recidivism is extremely high. This is yep. This real is quick, Michael.
1: Up. I mean, so Charles, the
12: point is, if they get castrated, they have to be kept away from society, kept away from children.
1: Wow. 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 I say, first of all, throw the book at them. Let's start with jail time for starters. Everybody, you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show.